Well, I promised you something special for today's bank holiday show, and I'm delighted to be joined uh, on the RG sofa this morning by someone you may know from Tizwas, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and hosting Breakfast on Capital Radio. And I never thought he would be joining us here on Radio Glamorgan. So let's give a big Welsh hello to Chris Tarrant. <laughs> Hi Luke, nice to talk to you mate What are you saying Welsh for hello? I've got a Welsh cameraman that's always jabbering at me and I never quite know what he's saying What's hello in Welsh? Uh, so you've either got Borida Well yes Borida, yeah 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 Or Shamai Shamai? Shamai Does that mean the same thing? Does it just mean hello? Well it, it's kind of, the they sort of vary So Borida you, you could say good morning or hello um, but then, of course, it all depends on uh, what time of the day it is. But usually the normal normal way for Welsh is Shamai. Yeah. Oh, well, good morning. Good morning, Chris. And uh, it's good to have you on the radio with us. So, first of all, how has your summer been? Well, have we had a summer? Uh, I must say, actually, today I've got a glimpse of sunshine here. I'm in Berkshire and I'm actually outside. And it's quite pleasant, but it's not been... Considering all the problems and the fact we're all... Stuck, you know, stuck in our homes for an awful lot of time. I think God could have been kinder about the weather this year for various, you know, lockdowns. And last year, actually, when it all started and the whole world stopped, last year we actually had a very long, hot sort of spring and summer when we were all terrified and locked down for the first time. Whatever. This year has not been so good, but maybe we'll get an Indian summer. I don't know. Whatever. Exactly. I, I know. I know exactly what you mean there. And uh, it's, it's been the same really in Cardiff. The, the well. In Wales, in particular, the weather's always hit and miss. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I like Wales. I enjoy my trips to Wales. I, I, I used to spend a lot of time sort of North Wales fishing and looking at various sorts of wildlife up there, around Tyvee and up there. I'm, I'm very fond of Wales and hopefully the world is quite fond of me. I've had some good times there, certainly. Oh, we, we, certainly, Chris. I will, we're, we're, we're very fond of you. And uh, yes, and uh, I. Good, of course, Wales brilliant for its parks and its lakes, and uh, and also and also trains as well. Yeah, we've we've never really done the Welsh sort of train. Well, we've never really done the UK actually. We've done all over the world except for this country. But um, maybe we get around to it. I mean, we've had a frustrating eighteen months when you know all all overseas filming stopped very abruptly, and. Um, I don't know, we're talking about some stuff in America next year, but the way things are just going on and on and on, I, you know, I've, I've no idea whether it'll happen again or not. When we were, um, when the whole, you know, um, COVID thing started, we were actually, and literally March 1920, uh, sorry, March 2020, even I wasn't alive in March 1920, March 2020, um, we were, we were all, we got our visas, we got our tickets, we got our schedule, and we were going to Moscow, um, and then going on to Mongolia, and we were ending up in China in early April last year. I think, thank God we didn't go, and it's, it was only about two weeks away, people started saying, no, wait a minute, there's some problems in China, wait a minute, you know, we're, and we didn't go, but um, we were very nearly there, and that would have been, <laughs> would have been dreadful. But since then, we haven't filmed, you know, because obviously... All the places, you know, the extreme places we go to, which is everything from sort of Bolivia to Alaska to Australia to, you know, Japan, whatever. Um, none of it. Africa we love. We've done a lot of filming in Africa. I'm very fond of Africa as a continent. But there's just no way we can go there, you know. No way we can, we can film or they'd let us in anyway. So it's, everything's on hold, really, for, you know, for at least another year, I think. And 
I mean, nobody would have believed if we talked about it last year in March that we'd still be talking about this September 2021. It's like, God, is this thing ever going away? But I don't know. It's, um, it's been a scary time for everybody. And, you know, everybody's lost loved ones, Stuart and friends. But um, hopefully we're coming through the other side, but I'm still not sure. It's been a very frustrating 18 months and, you know, for most of us, quite frightening, quite scary. I know, I know exactly what you mean, and it's 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 been well. It's it, it, you never know whether it's coming or going, and I fit you know. But I, I, I we are coming out of lockdown, hopefully. But um, yeah. talking about the last eighteen months, of course, last year uh, during the course of lockdown, we were treated to the ITV drama quiz, and uh, I, I I've always wanted to know where um, no because they said about wasn't it who wants to be a millionaire was originally supposed to be called cash mountain yes originally cash mountain and then then we changed to who wants to be a millionaire. i wasn't going to do it i did it as a for a mate of mine david briggs who was my producer at cabin radio for years and years and he had this tv idea and i said well i'll do a pilot for you i'm too busy to sort of do an actual series and which seems ridiculous now even thinking about it but then i did the pilot and i thought actually this is quite good fun and then then we did the first series and the whole thing went through the roof. But it was Cash Mountain. Um, and we changed it. The only thing we did, really, we did two pilots. And then we were suddenly violently on air about three weeks later for 10 nights on the run. And the, sort of the whole world changed, really, because America came in and Australia came in and South Africa came in. Um, and I remember when they said, we're going to change the title. They changed the music, which was a huge, you know, difference. And suddenly all this and all this terrifying music. Um, most of my stuff was pretty much the same, to be honest. You know, we we originally went for a pound, up to a hundred, up to a thousand, etc. And somebody said, you don't really think anybody's going to say, or oh, somebody might win a pound. I'm not going to switch this set off. So we thought, okay, we'll start a hundred food, which made sense. And then they said, we're not going to call it cash money. We're going to call it who wants to be a millionaire. And I famously remember saying, that's not going to work. That's just old hat. You know, who wants to be a millionaire? Um, so I was the sort of man who said, who wants to be a millionaire? We'll never catch on. So like four years later, we sold it to 120 world countries. So I got that one wrong. But it was an amazing period. I mean, just extraordinary. And the reaction to that quiz thing shows that people are still fascinated by that particular episode. I mean, my have, I, I suppose I have very public beefs with it because although it was brilliantly done, my, my machine was extraordinary as me. Um, they did one or two sort of, you know, um, dirty tricks, if you like, in that, she, bless her, Helen McCrory, who played the Defence QC, the late splendid Helen, um, and she was brilliant at the Defence QC, but when they did the Defence Sum Up, they didn't do, in the drama on telly, they did not do a prosecution sum up, which obviously happens in all courts of law, um, and it left sort of people thinking, oh, well, maybe he wasn't, you know, maybe he wasn't guilty and all that. Um, they should have done the prosecution, because I remember at the time, the real trial, the, our counsel, the prosecution prosecution counsel was absolutely brilliant and he brought all the strands together and he said therefore you must find these three guilty of sin and all that which of course they were and they were found guilty and I thought that although in many ways that quiz thing, it was a great drama it was very well acted and very well put together and very well assembled I just thought yeah they, they made too much of a thing of the fact that he might not be guilty he was guilty as guilty as Guy Fawkes Oh no! I, I, exactly, but isn't isn't it kind of because it 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 was based on a play, and isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and they seem to have. Um, isn't it? They sort of did it more about more about the Ingrams, less about the show. Yeah, I think also. I mean, 
because it's it's so well known and, and you know it was it was sort of acted out in a, in a real court of law at the time. Um, there's no real future in a in a, a drama series that says that you know the major was guilty. Well, everybody sort of knew that or assumed that. You know, the court of law found that. So, really and truly, there had to be a different twist to get it get it. Um, you know, to have the sort of huge ratings that it got. I think, yes, okay, I don't really mind, but, you know, never forget in your heart of hearts he was guilty. Um, but I, know, I, I mean, I know the people who've made it very well, I know the writers very well, you know, and fine. I know Mark Sheen very well. Yeah, and uh, there's, there's, there's something I, I came across about um, when, when we talk about Millionaire, but am I, am I right in thinking that you were supposed to be a guest star on an episode of Only Fools and Horses? No, where did that? <laughs> no, some of the things I hear, that's a new one. I've never heard that before in my life. No, absolutely. As far as I know, nobody's ever, ever, I'd love to have been, but nobody's, nobody's ever invited me on Fools and Horses. I do get I do get all sorts of extraordinary sort of Chinese whispers about things in my life and things in my career or whatever. And go, there's, either there's a very slim basis for it, or in that one, you know, particularly, there's no basis for that at all. I would love to have been on Only Pools and Horses. Have you finished now? But um, yeah, that is just a wonderful, wonderful series. I'd love to have been on it, but I was never asked. Uh, yeah, understandable. Where did, where did you? Where did that one come from? So, so it was. It was. Ba- it was. It was based. I think it was the when they revived it um, after Time on Our Hands um, when they brought it back when the Trotters lost their millions. Oh uh, yeah. And Dell goes. Oh, there's game. probably some. Yeah, there's probably some link to millions and current and millionaire. Yeah, maybe. But that certainly wasn't asked. Yeah, understand. Well, <laughs> at least we've cleared that one out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cross that one out. Yeah. It's probably a Wikipedia. Actually, there's some very strange things. There's a thing in Wikipedia. My son rang me up once, howling with laughter on the end of the phone. He said, "Dad, do you know you've got Perth disease?" I said, "What the hell is that? What are you talking about?" He said, "I'm just reading Wikipedia." It says here, Chris Tarrant has Perth disease, P-E-R-T-H-E-S, which I've never heard of. And and he was born with very small feet. He still has size two feet. Uh, and when he goes from television, he has to have specially built-up boots to make him up to size 10. There is no grain of truth in that. I mean, I've got size 10 shoes, full stop. You know, I'm a big bloke, I'm six foot two and whatever. <laughs> There's no grain of truth in that at all. And eventually they, they took it off. But you think... The people just sit around going, I know what we'll do today. We'll invent a disease, we'll give it to Chris Jones, and we'll write about it on Wikipedia. I mean, Toby was in, in fits. In fact, and Toby, Toby also just wrote the shows. Uh, he does very well, actually, bless him. And he, he made great sort of mileage of it on his radio show. My dad's got size two feet and all this. But it was, it was just complete nonsense. <laughs> And that, but that—that's that's that's the problem with Wikipedia and all these internet sites. You never know who's writing for them. No, no. no. It's like there was for quite a long time a, um, a Chris Tarrant official Twitter site, which was certainly not me. Um, and one one of my daughters rang up and said, "Dad, do you know you've got a Twitter site?" I said, "Don't do Twitter. I don't do social media. I hate it. I have nothing to do with it. I don't need it. If I did my career all over again, I'm sure I'd have to do it, but." You know, at my advanced age, I certainly, I don't want to know about, you know, I don't want people to know about my life and I don't really care about this. And I had this Twitter site for about a fortnight, the real Chris Darren or something it was called. And my daughter rang me up and said, Dad, do you know you've got a Twitter site? No, I haven't. That's nonsense. I said, well, I thought it was wrong because you were calling Rio Ferdinand bro. (laughs) (laughs) Where would that one come from? Uh, I don't know. 
it's actually harder to get rid of these things than get them taken down and actually, you know, set them up in the first place. But I don't really, as long as it's harmless, I don't really care. I find it quite fun. But obviously, some of it can be very unpleasant, but mainly I've got away with it. Well, you you, you mentioned about um, to- Toby and uh, and your daughters, and this this is actually a yeah. question. Um, our chairman Jamie Pritchard, uh, morning Jamie, um, has set uh, wants to ask. And morning Jamie. Well, and he he's basically said because radio has continued in the blood and it's played a big part in your life. And um, yeah. he wants to know how proud were you when both Fee and Toby started gracing the airwaves. Absolutely delighted. Absolutely delighted. And Toby said to me, what do you think? And I said, well, if you do nothing else in your life, you will have a very nice time. Because radio, well, you know, radio is a great, great uh, medium to work in. It's just fun. You meet a lot of people. You know, you probably make a certain amount of money, maybe a lot of money. Um, And you just have a very nice time. So I said to both of them, I said, if that's all you do with your life, don't worry about it. It's pretty damn good. Um, I've been sort of Yes, I am very proud of both of them for all sorts of reasons. I mean, that, that included, but I've been sort of quietly helping them in the background, you know, just so once or twice I'll have a listen and all that. But in the end, they've got, to, they've got to do their own thing and make their own mark on the radio, you know. And also, I think they did have a bit of, it seems to have gone now with both of them. They did have a bit of resistance initially when, you know, because they both insisted on using the Tarrant name and there's like, oh, that's the only way you've got a job because your dad, and it's not true. I mean, I, shamefully, I did nothing at all towards either of them getting a job. They just they just liked listening to radio over the years. A lot of my mates obviously were radio presenters or whatever, um, and they wanted that's what they wanted to do. So they both done well. But um, there was the sort of initial stuff about you know to be born with a silver spoon in his mouth and all that complete nonsense. But I think both of them proved now over several years, both of them that they they stand up on their own two feet, which is great, and I'm very proud. Good, good for you, Chris. And it, it, it's it's the it's the wonderful thing about radio. Anyone, 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 and any any whom can do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I, I've got I've, I've got to say about ask about radio. Um, did you have any memories about hospital radio? I, I mean, I've done a lot of um, you know interviews like this over the years, and I've, I've met a lot of mates on hospital radio. Not really. I mean, I've. I've been into, you know, when, when particular radio stations have been having like a live hospital weekend, I went, I went a couple of times around the wards and all that at various local hospitals. It's just, I mean, it's just a wonderful thing. It's a great place for people to start and learn, learn how to do it. And it's just a tremendous, um, tremendous bonus, you know, for patients. And that's who it's for. That's who it should always be for. Exactly. And, uh... And I, I, you know, I've I, I've been doing this uh, now for the best best part of eight years. Love every minute of it. Yeah, it's just the best fun. I think I've always said that um, of all the things I've done and you know awards I've won and something, I think the best the best fun for me, the best fun time, even with Tiswell, the best fun time was the years on Cabin. I think it's the thing I'm proudest of. I I just loved it. I really enjoyed it. You know, and I I do think without a question, if you're if you're enjoying what you do, it comes over the airways, it comes over to the listeners. Terry Wogan always loved what he was doing, and you could tell. You know, he had that wonderful, warm chuckle in his voice, like, I can't believe what I'm doing this morning, you know, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. He was a sad loss to the radio industry, one of my closest mates, and he's just a wonderful, kind man, great man, very funny man. And, and do you know something? Wogan was my... I've got to say, Wogan is my broadcasting hero because he, yeah. he, he knew how to interact with that one one listener. He was effortless as well for Terry. He just fell in and immediately started. I mean, I suppose I did, but I was always a great admirer. 
Um, we were sort of enemies for a long time, but, but mates really, you know, just both of our Radio 2 and, and Capital were very much sort of, you know, fighting for the same audience. And um, we sort of sparred a lot, but actually socially we met a lot because we're both in the same big charities. So we met a lot, you know, and I had this huge mutual respect and I was always very, very gratified by that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, so kind of when you said you're friends, but sort of, so sort of frenemies in a kind of. Uh... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but you, you what, I mean, working at working at Capital. What what were your highlights of working uh, on uh, such a such a brilliant uh, station? Uh, well, and, which eventually became a network. What what were your highlights of doing breakfast and uh, all that and all the other shows? I think I think really was just the buzz of. You know, every the great thing about doing breakfast radio, and I think all of us are the same, um, is this thing about being, you, you can't wait to be the first to tell people what's happened while they've all been asleep. So, you know, you'd be, you'd be the first to tell them while you're all asleep, Freddie Starr ate somebody's hamster uh, in a sandwich. Or, you know, a woman had a space alien land on her lawn in Wolverhampton. You wanted to be the first to tell them. I mean, also, in amongst all the funny stuff, you also had to be the first to tell them that horrifically during the night, since I, like, Diana died in a, in a tunnel in France, but I remember coming on air when there was fires actually happening as as we came on air in Kings Cross uh, Underground Station. Um, but you want to be the first. The hurricane. I mean, the night of that famous hurricane was just unreal. I, mean, I drove my car in by trees falling down and you know the wrong way of the road. It was absolute chaos. But everybody fast asleep didn't know. So you want you want to be the first to tell them. So I love that aspect of it. I love the fact that. I mean, Capital Breakfast Show, we just became a legend. At one point, we had, I think we had more listeners to the Capital Breakfast Show than all the other ones put together. I mean, it was, it just, I don't know why, it just struck a note, you know. People, people absolutely loved it. And that's very gratifying, you know. It be, wouldn't be much fun getting out of bed at five o'clock in the morning if there was nobody there listening. So that was good. And all the stuff around the world we did, you know, which became a, people loved it. And we, we got holidays for people saying, you know, we had sponsors like British Airways and, uh, Fosters, people like that, saying, "Right, you're listening to the show now live from Melbourne. But if you get this competition right, you could be here tomorrow evening, sort of thing." And that was a great buzz on radio. Yeah, I, I just had a great time. I loved it. Good fun, and, uh, and good mates, and good, oh, and, uh, in, absolutely. And that, that's what that's that's the that's the wonderful thing about the radio. And uh, you mentioned as well about travelling, and uh, it actually brings me on to um, to the next question um, and what we were actually talking about uh, earlier about trains and that and um, your programme Extreme Railways. But I- I've always wanted to know, and a lot of friends of mine uh, in the radio business are also rail enthusiasts, and I've always wondered, what's, what is the drive that gets people uh, mo- from the radio industry to have this fascination about trains? I think it's, I don't think it's particularly the railway industry. I think a lot of people just love railways. I mean, I think people assume that I'm a train spotter. I'm not particular. I don't. I don't get very excited. I mean, I loved old steam trains a long time ago. I thought they were beautiful. I don't get very excited about most trains now. The trains, um, the trains in Japan, were, you know, the actual locomotives were just unbelievable. I mean, this, you know, this bullet train is just something else. I mean, the speed it goes up, and the the beautiful, graceful look of it, and that is an amazing train. And inside it, you know, you. You, you're batting along at something in excess of 200 miles an hour. Yet, you know, your coffee cup is absolutely stationary. It's not slopping all over your trousers like it does on British Rail. Um, that is one beautiful train. But I think that, um, I think for me, it's, it's, 
it's the railways, the actual building of railways. I, I'm just so, I'm not an engineer, but I just get so impressed by how the hell did they build that across there? You know, some of these going through the Rocky Mountains or going through, you know, the monsoon area in India. They, you know, everything was getting washed away as fast as they built it and all that. In Africa, when we were filming in Kenya, we talked about one area where the actual um, guys working on it were attacked by man-eating lions night after night. This camp, which and they'd already lost a lot of their workers too, you know, cholera, snake bite, etc. This camp was visited nightly by two enormous man-eating lions. This place was in the Salo Desert. And I said to the guy I was talking to, I said, well, how many people were killed before they got rid of them? I thought he was going to say, oh, you know, eight or ten. 140. 140 people. I mean, this is horrific. 140 people were eaten by two lions before somebody finally found out where they went and shot the pair of them. So, I mean, I love all that. It's a horrible, you know, reality, but I love the fact that, you know, the, the actual creation of these railways and the difference they make. You know, in many cases, if, if, if the railways hadn't been built in parts of India, certainly in parts of South America, when we filled up in the Andes in Bolivia, if that railway line didn't exist, you know, there were no roads, no airports, no, no anything else. Most people would live and die probably less than five miles from their own house because, because that's what happens. So, um, you know, it's just, they are just extraordinary. They, they are wonderful. They just open up the whole world. And the good thing about most of them is they were actually British in the days when we did good things all over the world. Most of them, 150 years ago, ever, were built by the Brits. So, yeah, I, I love railways. I love them. But when and if we ever go film again, I'm not sure. Well, um, saying about your love for railways, uh, Sam would like to know if uh, you could pick a favourite railway and which would it be and why? Ooh, thanks for that one. Thanks, Sam. Um, ooh, I think it would be... I think it would probably be the Rocky Mountaineer, which goes right across Canada, right to the west coast of Vancouver. That one goes right across the Rocky Mountains, through the plains and all that. That was one of the great train rides of our time, I think. And also because the actual trains had, when we were out there, it was like pretty much 24 hours daylight. And it had this complete glass dome around the actual carriages we were in. So, of course, the camera was having an absolute field day. I think that was one of the great ones. There were several. I love Bolivia. Bolivia is just beautiful. You know, it's, it's a very sad country. They've had all sorts of problems. Um, Zimbabwe is probably one of the, so many problems. One of the most memorable, but not in a particularly nice way. You know, there were, we were constantly being uh, harangued at road, you know, roadblocks with people purporting to be policemen with live guns, saying, "You know, what are you carrying in the car?" and give us dollars and all this. Um, they're all memorable. Most of the ones I've done have been memorable. Actually, they, they, none of them have been anything like the sort of script we went out with. It's completely out the window after about one day. But I don't know, we just we just enjoyed them, you know, in different ways we've enjoyed them. Even if once in a while we've been quite quite intimidated and frightened, we've been enjoying them. So, you know, I hope we do some more, but if not, you know, I've had a good time and life goes on. Hopefully life goes on for a long time, but I, I hope we do some more. Me, 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 me too, me too, Chris and uh, Squire, da Squire David as well. Um, what one of the one of our one of my regular listeners who's a, who's a big train enthusiast, uh, yeah, loves extreme railways and uh, 
he 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 actually said, "Did you ever have a scary moment? Was there ever at all a scary moment?" Yeah, well, Zimbabwe was scary. Um, the, we, we had this thing where the um, the actual doors for the main train kept flying open through the night, and I mean, I went to my cabin very carefully, sort of picking my way along. But as the train is lurching along from Bulawayo going up to Lake Victoria. I mean, I, when I slept during the night, sort of quite fitfully, I had three or four sort of definite bumps and one or two screams. And I said to the, the sort of guard guy in the morning, I said, yeah, there's bumps in the night. And he said, oh, yeah. He said, I think people were falling out. He said, because the bar was right next to the one of the open doors. And I said, well, we were in that bar. He said, yeah, you had to be very careful. I said, well, I was. I said, well, what happened to people who fell out? And he said, oh, they'd have died and just sort of walked off. Like... No, the, the quality of life is very low in Zimbabwe. Um, in Kenya, we were arrested and we were in jail for about five hours. And they took our passports off us. Um, it just seemed to be a complete misunderstanding, but we were all five blokes were standing there, like, you know, thinking we could be here for weeks and nobody knows we're here. And, you know, that was quite scary. So you do read about people completely disappearing and all that. And the guy suddenly reappeared and said, Gentlemen, I'm so sorry, there's been a misunderstanding handed us our passports, and we ran like hell. Um, we hit a blizzard in a helicopter um, going over the Rocky Mountains between Canada and Alaska, um, and that was scary. We had a blizzard. We had a helicopter full of dynamite. Um, <laughs> I, I say these things now as if uh, it was okay. I mean, we were very scared at the time because we couldn't see, and there was obviously no radar or anything on the actual helicopter, so he was just saying, just stay calm and went this blizzard to blow through and all that. We couldn't see anything in the screen. They had dynamite behind us. Then suddenly the sun came out and it was all fine. That was quite scary. Um, we've had a few, actually, but I don't know. I'm still alive. We're all still alive. But it makes for, um, it makes for a rich tapestry of life. It, uh... I have a nice life. I have a nice time. Well, that, 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 well, that's good. that's good to hear. And the, and the, and the good thing is that you, you, it, nothing, nothing serious uh, or bad actually did happen but um, no. no and that's uh, that that's the most important thing but um i will i will say chris uh, most importantly because it's bank holiday weekend what is your idea what is your ideal way to spend the bank holiday well um they don't really matter to me anymore i mean i'm, I'm sorry because i'm not a nine, i haven't been a nine to five working guy for years um so I hate to say it, but I don't really enjoy bank holidays. It means I can't get out on the roads. There's too many people out there. Uh, <laughs> no, I, just, I don't get very excited about bank holidays. I tend to hide, and then I go out on Tuesdays. It's, um, you know, at the moment, with everybody sort of chilling out as well. I've got a very nice house with a lot of, lot of land around it, so I just hope we have a nice sunny day and stay at home. Ah, that's, uh, well, that's, that's good to hear. And uh, finally, Chris, given the 18 months uh, we've had, what are you most yeah. looking forward to as we get back to normality? Oh, holidays with my kids. We had so many holidays postponed. Fishing in France with my mates. We've had about four trips postponed. Jane and I are going to Malta, which has been cancelled now and postponed three times this year. Last year, I was supposed to be in Turkey with the kids. Uh, that didn't happen. That was postponed to this August. That didn't happen again. It was actually worse in Turkey because then they had the, you know, the fires and the, the uh, all sorts of problems as well as COVID. I just want to get back to a normal life and sort of Hopefully do some work, but also have some holidays and just travel. I love travelling the world, and that's the one thing I'm missing. Well, Chris Tarrant, thank you ever so much for joining us here on Radio Glamorgan today, and uh, 
hopefully that we will get back to normality and you can have your holidays then and then. Thank you, Luca. Thank you for making me so welcome. Have a nice bank holiday yourself. You too. Hoi Laval. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye.